announced this morning, I want to discuss the topic with you this evening, Adorning the Doctrine of Christ. If you'll turn with me to the second division of the book of Titus. In the second chapter, he says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. That aged women likewise, as they be in behavior, becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not giving them up wine teachers of good things. They may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober minded. In all these things, showing thyself a pattern of good work, in doctrine, in showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering the good again, not prolonging, but showing good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly law, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good work. These things speak and exalt, give with all authority, and let no man despise thee. The Apostle Paul talked about aged men and women and young men and women and servants and their relationship and their masters. Throughout the book of Titus, if I were to place a theme on the book of Titus, the book of Titus teaches how that the redeemed are to adorn the doctrine of Christ. Those who are in the business world today realize the value of good advertising. They realize that it pays to adorn what they're selling. When they advertise a product, they advertise it from the best standpoint that they can set forth. You don't see some haggly, ugly looking thing getting on television and advertising some product unless it's a before and after kind of thing and this is before and then this pretty young thing is what happens after. Even jobs that to us might be judged with, they advertise in such a way as to make them appear to be easy. You see some housewife and she is immaculately adorned and she's washing dishes and grinning and telling how wonderful it is to wash those dishes. The Apostle Paul, writing to the young preacher Titus, talks about how that we are to adorn the doctrine of Christ. In the Philippian letter, in the second division of that letter, he writes and tells how that we, the children of God, or to show forth or shine forth to the world as lights 
adorning the doctrine of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he says, Do all things without murmuring or complaining. That you may be blameless and harmless, O sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice to their Christ, that I not run in vain, neither labored in vain. We recognize the value of a Christian life. The greatest sermons that have ever been preached are not those sermons that are preached from pulpit, but the sermons that are preached from the lives of individual Christians. Paul says that we are to adorn the doctrine of Christ. How can we do that? How can we show forth or hold forth the word of life as lights in the world? How can we shine forth? I want to suggest to you this evening some things that we as God's children might do to adorn the doctrine of Christ, to beautify the doctrine of Christ, to set it forth in our lives, will, so that people will recognize Christ living in us, in our body. The first place let me suggest that good works adorn the doctrine of Christ. When you turn to the second chapter of First Peter, you find there that the Apostle Peter says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly life which war against the soul, and having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they behold glorify God as in the day of visitation. The good works that you and I do as the children of God, the works that we do as Christian liberty in Christ in serving others, in living a life of service, adorn the doctrine of Christ. He says that even though people would speak evil of you for living the Christian life, being Christ's life, that when we do good works, that they glorify God in the day of visitation. Matthew 5, 16, the passage that was read this evening, he said, Even so let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. And so by good works, by living the Christian life, we adorn the doctrine of Christ. Without good works, the doctrine of Christ appears only on paper. But when people see that in our life, see us live what the book says, then our good work will adorn the doctrine of Christ. Secondly, love adorns the doctrine of Christ. It was by God's love that he sent his Son into the world to die for us. John 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have life everlasting. Verse John chapter 4, it says, And this was the love of God made manifest, and that he sent his Son into the world to die for the world. You and I, in loving one another, adorn the doctrine of Christ. John, in the third and fourth divisions of the book of 1 John, 
says that if we do not have love for one another, we do not have love for God. The very thing that will let the world know that we're God's children is the love that we manifest in our hearts, show towards one another in life. That's why in John 13, he says in verse 34, A new commandment give I unto you that you love one another. This was not something that was not commanded under the old law, but he's a love that has been demonstrated in you, and we're the love following in the pattern of that demonstration. And our lives have set forth a kind of love for one another that's not been seen before Christ came and lived on this earth. It's the love of God that gives us a pattern for our love. We love because He loved us. And until we saw the demonstration of that love in Christ dying on the cross, we didn't have the kind of pattern for that love that we could follow. For before Christ died, there was not that kind of pattern. That's why the word new is used, the word kinos. A new kind of love, new in kind and quality. We'd seen love before. That was love in the Old Testament. Love was commanded to the Jew in the Old Testament, but not the kind of love that there is under New Testament Christianity. For now we have a pattern for that love, and we are to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and follow the pattern of that love. And so it's this love that we have that adorns, that makes Christianity attractive. That shows people the Christian life really means something for our brotherly love one towards another. Apostle Paul, writing the Hebrew letter, the 13th division of that letter, says, let brotherly love continue. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. Now by the faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Here's something that is abiding and is continuing. And in our lives, it adorns the doctrine of Christ. It sets forth the principles of Christianity, the character of God in our very lives. It shows forth what Christians really are and what the doctrine of Christ really means to life. Then again, in the third place, we adorn the doctrine of Christ by our unity that we have. The 17th division book of John, you find that Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane prior to his death. And he prays for the apostles who had been there with him. But not only does he say, say that he prays for them, neither do I pray for these alone, but for them that shall believe on me through their words, that they may be one as thy Father art in me and I in thee, that they may also be one in us, that the world might believe that thou didst send me. Think of how wonderful it is for those in Christ to be united. How pleasant it is, Psalms 133 and verse 1, for brethren to dwell together in unity and peace. And it's this that adorns the doctrine of Christ. For you see, before Christianity, they were not one. Man was at odds against man. Ephesians 2 says that it's by the cross that he made one man so making peace. 
It's the cross of Christ that gives the motivation for our unity. That gives the motivation for us to dwell together as the children of God. To be one. To be one in matters of faith. And to be one in matters of judgment. Think of how much greater that the doctrine of God would be adorned. If everyone in the religious world tonight was in unity in Christ. Following the doctrine of the law. The rule, Philippians 3 and verse 16, that has been laid down. If everyone were following the same book, would there be those who are skeptical today of religion because of the disunity of the religious world? But not only that, I don't think that we need to forget that the passages on unity were written to the Lord's church. When the Apostle Paul, for instance, wrote the first Christian letter in the first division in verse 10, and said that he would that they would be one, I beseech you, look at the language there, that they would be one, that they would be one in mind, one in judgment, that they would be one in all heirs of life. He's writing the bread. The problem they had developed in the first century was a problem of bread. They failed to be united like they are. Think of the progress that has been hindered in the Lord's church tonight because of disunity even among our own bread. It behooves us that we be united. That will adorn the doctrine of Christ. The love that we have one for another can enhance our unity. And many of the problems, matter of fact, most of the problems, and I'd say almost all of the problems that have faced the restoration movement since men have tried to restore New Testament Christianity, have been over problems of lack of love and problems of personality between brethren rather than really over matters of God. Nine times out of ten, our problems with one another over doctrine to be worked out if we did not allow the problem of personalities to get in the way. And the problems that the Lord's church face even tonight are caused because of a lack of real unity in Christ one to another. Our unity in Christ, the word brethren itself signifies unity. The fact that we have been called out of the world, called out of the world of darkness into the marvelous light of God, ought to set forth unity in our own lives. This adorns the doctrine of Christ. It makes it attractive to a world that is divided. To a world who cannot get along with one another. In the fourth place, our speech is an indication of an adorning of the doctrine of Christ. How tragic when the speech of those who are the children of God fails to adorn the doctrine of our Lord and Savior Jesus. In the 26th division of the book of Matthew, you have the account of Peter and how that he had denied the Lord. And as he stood 
and denied the third time in verse 73. It says, and after a while there came unto him they that stood by and said unto Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth good. And then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, which he said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. How tragic it is when the speech of those of us who are the children of God give us away as not being one of them. Not living like a child of God. But in context that we read, he said that we ought to use sound speech that cannot be confessed. We ought to speak in such a way as it would show forth the fact that we are God's children. Incorrupt speech always adorns and shines forth adorning the doctrine of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The world is so tragic today that it hears from a speech that is not the kind of speech that we want to hear, not the kind of speech that we want to be used round about us. And for one, even to use correct speech is an indication of the character of heart that they have. In the book of Colossians, in the fourth division, in verse 6, Paul writes, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man. Think of the beauty of speech that is with grace. Does the speech that we have one to another contain grace? Does it show forth the same kind of grace that God has bestowed upon us as His children? As we speak with one another and our attitude toward one another, does it show forth that kind of grace in our life? Seasoned with salt, speech that is tempered with salt, that we may know not only what we answer every man or the way that we answer every man, the sound speech, but that we know how that we ought to answer everybody. Our speech can either adorn the doctrine of Christ or it can destroy everything that we say, every word that we say. I've told the little story before, and I suppose I'll tell it again. I've told it to a black audience, but I don't see why I can't tell it to a white audience. There was a little colored boy one day who was out mowing grass, and as he mowed grass, there was a child who came by, and he said, you black nigger, you, says, what are you doing? Are you being placed? He was getting a drink of water. And he got all upset. And he went into the man, the house to where he was mowing grass, and he said he was upset. The man could tell he was upset. And he said, well, what did he say? He said, he said, you will black never you. And he said, you're black. He said, you're a Negro. And he said, yeah. But he said, it didn't sound like that when he said Now, it's not what we say sometimes, it's the way we say. 
It's our attitude. We need to know and we need to understand that our speech ought to always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Our speech is vitally important to the adornment of the doctrine of Christ. The sixth division of the book of Luke. Jesus said in verse 45, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mind speaketh. The speech that we have and our attitude towards others will either adorn the doctrine of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, or it will destroy everything that we say and everything that we do. We need to be careful the way that we live our lives before others. It's vitally important that we adorn Christianity, that we never do things that would bring shame and reproach to the Lord Jesus Christ. And our speech ought to be an area in which we try to control our tongue. To use it for well, to use it for good, Use it to bring others and lead others to the Lord. Then again, our peace of mind and our contentment adorn the doctrine of Christ. The second division the book of Acts, you have the church established on the day of Pentecost. The attitude that the brethren at Jerusalem had towards one another, the peace and contentment of heart that they had. Realizing the forgiveness of their sins brought glory to God. It says in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. People with the right attitude of heart, those who understand the blessings that are ours in Christianity, that understand that Jesus came to bring peace to this earth. Announcements made in Luke 2 that we can now have peace through Christ. John 14, when Jesus was announcing his death on the cross, he told his apostles who had troubled hearts that that death would not bring anything but peace. He said, My peace I leave unto you, not as the world giveth leave I unto you, but peace that was unknown to those of the world. We need to understand and show forth not in a braggadocious fashion, but in life, the peace that passes all understanding. I know not this day of anything that can adorn the doctrine of my Lord anymore, the peace and contentment on the inside of hearts that really understand the schemes of redemption. The contentment that's ours, not only in life that's to come, but ours in this life. The care and the anxieties that others have ought not be considered. What is there about life that ought to perplex those of us who have God on our side? We approach problems in life, do we not approach them through the Lord Jesus Christ? Can we not see that whatever problems might be ours, that as we face them, we face them with God on our side? And with God on our side, who is there that can conquer us? Whatever creates a problem in this life, can we not see and realize that the one who created all the world, 
Go on and we have the solution to all the problems of life is our God and the God that we serve. Peace adorns the doctrine of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How tragic it is for those of us who practice New Testament Christianity to face the problem of life the same way that one without God and without hope faces the We ought to know and ought to understand that the peace that we have in this life will be the same peace that we'll have on the other side. The only difference in heaven and the kingdom of God today is in the kind and quality of the things that we enjoy now. Jesus in John 10 said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, he says he hath given us all things that pertain unto life. That's on this side of the and if he's given us all things, and I understand that passage correct, then there's nothing that we ought to be lacking in it. If he's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, we enjoy those privileges today. What is there that will be over there on the other side that we don't have Except in the quality of the blessings that we'll enjoy there. That's why Jesus, in talking about eternal life, said that those who had obeyed the gospel had passed from death unto life. That's because we enjoy it now. Not only will we enjoy it then, we enjoy it now. It's only in the quantity of it that we'll enjoy on the other side. So we need to understand the peace that will adorn the doctrine of Christ. But then again, Consistency adorns the doctrine of Christ. In the book of Acts, in the first division, the book of Acts, the first word, Luke records that he writes to Theophilus, and he said that the former tree I made, O Theophilus, of the thing that Jesus began to do with the people. When our lives do not come up to what we talk about, there's no way that can adorn the doctrine of Christ. The 23rd division of the book of Matthew, you have the woes given unto the tribes and Pharisees. In verse 1, you find that Jesus said, The scribes and Pharisees said in Moses' seat. They had taken the preeminence of Moses' seat. Verse 3, he said, all things, therefore, whatsoever they bid you to observe, that observe it do. But do not after their works, for they say it do not. They bind heavy burdens, grievous to be born, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move their things. But they do their work to be seen as me. Our lives must always come up to our teeth. You see, the teaching that's done in this book is intended to be loose. As I mentioned this morning, as Agrippa listened to the Apostle Paul, he let that fall on the dead feet. But when we hear God's word, that means it comes out in our lives. 
Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talked about those Pharisees. When he says in verse 19 of the fifth chapter, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and teach men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. It's only consistency that adorns the doctrine of Christ. Then again, constancy adorns the doctrine of Christ. That's almost the same, but it's not quite. In the sixth division of the book of Daniel, got those people who were out to get Daniel. They couldn't figure out how in the world can we find something where we can accuse that. The decree finally went out from the king because of the president who had wanted to destroy Daniel. That you will not pray to your Lord. Daniel, as his custom was, that is, as he did with regularity, prayed to God. Because of it, Daniel, even though in the face of persecution, prayed to God, he had the door to the end of life. Daniel, through his faith in God, recognized the fact that through God he could overcome. I know not what problems we face in life, but I know least. Our Christianity must be constant in the face of struggle and problems. The constancy of a Christian life is that that always adorns the doctrine of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the fourth division of 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter in that letter was writing concerning the manifold trials that they were going on the ground. And he said in verse 13, But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, that ye be glad with exceeding joy. Or if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, have hear ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their party is evil spoken of, but on your party is glorified. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, as a busybody, and other men's matters. But if any man suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on that behalf. In the third chapter, he says, But if you suffer for righteousness, sight happier ye. And be not troubled of their terror, or afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Be ready always to give an answer to every man and ask if your reason concerning the hope that is within you yet would meet this in faith. Having a good conscience, whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that they falsely accuse you good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so, that if you suffer for well-doing than for evildoers. Christ also has suffered for sin. The just and the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the spirit. Constancy in our lives adorns the doctrine of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Find a distinctive living is the only thing that will do.
If we do not live this thinking separate life, if we do not live like a peculiar person, then our lives will never adorn the doctrine of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 2, he talks about a peculiar people, zealous of good work. The word peculiar is quite an interesting word. It means ball, that is, for his own possession. He says in the next verse, right, he tells us that we're to adorn the doctrine of Christ, that the grace of God hath appeared, bringing salvation unto all men. Teaching us that denying of godliness and worldly love, we should live soberly and righteously in this present world. Because he purchased us, we live differently. Christians are not like the people of this world. They've got different aims. They've got different ambitions in life. Their goal in life is to enter heaven when this life's over. This causes us that we've been purchased to live, rising to adorn the doctrine of Christ. It's not enough to say that I stand and preach and teach the Bible. We must live the Bible if we're ever going to have the proper kind of advertising. I don't know that I like to use that word as far as the church work is concerned. For really, in a sense, we advertise, but we don't advertise. We don't pray. When we live the right kind of life, it's the best advertising program that the church needs. It's the only advertising that we need in a sense. You see, when we have a gospel meeting, for instance, we advertise that meeting, and that's well and good. But you know the best advertisement any meeting has is the lives of individual Christians. People who see us in daily activity, and they see Christ living and dwelling in their lives. People purchased. We were bought with a price, and since we were, we glorify God in our bodies. We ought to always live a life that would adorn the doctrine of our Lord in the right world. You're here this evening and not a Christian. You can't adorn the doctrine of God. You need to practice it in your life. Why not be obedient unto the gospel of Christ? You believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son. Repent of your sins. Confess the name of Christ before this audience. Be buried with your Lord in baptism for the remission of your sins. Put on Christ and then live a life that comes up to and adorns the doctrine of our Lord. If you're subject to come, together with